be turning with me to the Gospel of John. Gospel of John, chapter number 13. Sure is good to be in the Lord's house this morning. And thank you for what's been done in the service already. I can't think of a better song to get to preach after than I think I'll just go with God. Amen. Can't think of a much better thing to happen at a youth service than for uh, someone who has served the Lord and has a testimony of a life lived serving the Lord to stand up and testify to us that it's good to go with God. Uh, I know one of the trendy, I guess the trendy term now among young people, and I'm not saying this just to call names or stir the pot, but it's recovering fundamentalist. That's been the trendy term, but I don't think I know any old recovering fundamentalist. They're all young people. And uh, you, you don't, there's not a testimony, but I, I know some people who have served God for years and years and years, and they testify of the fact that God's way is best. They haven't had to change directions. They haven't had to change Bibles. And, uh, man, I'm thankful for that. I, I appreciate it. Thank you, Rogers family, for the singing. And I want to just get into the Word of God. I'm so thankful to be here. Thank you, Pastor, for the opportunity to preach. And thank you for putting me first. I've been nervous about preaching. I'm preaching with two of my heroes this morning. And I've always heard when you're in the presence of your heroes to listen more and speak less. So I'm going to try to hurry up and preach, and then I'll get out of the way. Uh, But I'm looking forward to the day and what the Lord's going to do. John chapter number 13. I want to read to you just a few verses, and if you will, keep your Bible open, and uh, we're going to turn to a a couple different chapters uh, right here surrounding this passage, Um, but look with me, if you will, in verse number 12, John chapter 13 and verse number 12, and uh, I know we're picking up kind of in the middle of a broader context, uh, but we'll back up in just a few minutes, hopefully make a little bit of sense of this passage. But here's what the Bible said, John chapter 13, verse 12. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. I speak not of you all, I know whom I have chosen. But that the scripture may be fulfilled, he that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his head against me. Now I tell you before it come to I tell you before it come, that when it is come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. Now I want you to glance with me back at verse number 19, and this is a verse I want to take our thought from this morning. He said this, now I tell you before it come. Verse number 18 is a prophetical verse. Jesus is telling his disciples something that is going to happen not just in the future, but really in the near future. And here's the reason why. He said, I tell you before it come, that when it has come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Here's what I'm going to preach on for just a few minutes this morning. On two words, Jesus knows. Jesus knows. And let me say this before we pray. I feel like a lot of times as a young person, it's easy to think 
when you look at, at, at people who are older than you and have served God for longer than you have, it's easy to think sometimes that they look at your life as just being easy, yeah. like you don't have any troubles or any struggles in your life. But I think all of us would admit it doesn't matter what age you are, you're going to have trials. And uh, it's sometimes, and it's probably true, sometimes trials and struggles get overlooked more in a younger person's life than maybe someone who served God for longer. Uh, but I just want to remind you of this fact that Jesus knows. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for letting us be here this morning. And thank you for the good singing and what's to come in the service. I'm looking forward to that. And Lord, I pray that you'd help me as I preach. And Lord, you know I need you. And I pray that you would give me the words to say to our heart. And, and Lord, for the hearts of everyone that's here, not just the young people, but Lord, this is a youth service. And, and it's emphasized of, of the young people here that want to serve you. And Lord, I pray that you'd give them just a word of encouragement. Uh, Lord, I'm thankful what we've already heard in the singing, that, that your way is best. And, and Lord, I pray they'd be encouraged today just to keep doing right and to continue to serve you and to love you and stay faithful to you. And the Lord will thank you for all that you do. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now real quickly, before we get into this text, I won't spend very long in my introduction. But I want, just, I want to notice just a couple things about the writer. Of course, you know this is John the Beloved, who's the author of the Gospel of John. When it comes to the four Gospels, not that John is any better or greater than the other Gospels, but I think the Gospel of John is my favorite Gospel to study. And when you read through the Gospel of John, you'll find there are several different uniquities about this Gospel and compared to the other Gospels with Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, but one thing that you'll notice, and this is really the only thing I want to emphasize before we get into this chapter, one thing that you'll notice is that John seemed more concerned with the words of the Lord than he was with the works of the Lord. In fact, if you just compare the miracles between the four Gospels, you'll find the Gospel of Matthew records 27 miracles that Jesus did. The Gospel of Mark records 22 miracles. The Gospel of Luke records 23. But when you come to the Gospel of John, there are only seven miracles that are recorded. Uh, in fact, one thing that's interesting about this gospel is of those seven miracles, there's only one miracle that was mentioned in the other. That's the feeding of the 5,000. That's mentioned in all four gospels. But the other six miracles are unique just to the gospel of John. So it's almost as if when John wrote his gospel, he approached the miracles of the Lord by saying, let me give you these six that weren't mentioned in any of the other gospels. But he very quickly transitions from what the Lord did to what the Lord say, said. You'll see that very obvious. You could just flip through the last few chapters of the Gospel of John. And you'll, if you have a red letter edition Bible, you'll see red letter after red letter as John pins the words of Jesus. And I think we know, we know just from his writing that John is the only one who calls Christ the Word. He began the very Gospel. In the beginning was the Word. In the epistle that he wrote, the first epistle of John, uh, he talked about that which we have seen, which our hands have handled of. He says the Word of Life. So John just placed a special emphasis on Jesus being the Word, and he was very interested in what Jesus had to say. So now here we are in chapter number 13. You'll find this is very close. Another interesting fact about the Gospel of John is, is the biggest portion of this Gospel is spent in just the last few days leading up to the cross. And all the events, you'll see some of the most intimate moments that Jesus had with His disciples recorded here in the Gospel of John. Chapter 13. 
13. They're here at the Last Supper. And Jesus makes this statement. Though here's the one thing I want you to notice. And we're going to come go to a couple different places where this same statement is made. And it's the statement that I made you or I had you look at in verse number 19 that I tell you before it comes. And Jesus is giving them some insight on things that are ahead. And really the reason that he's doing this is because he's telling them when this happens, I want you to remember that it caught you by surprise. You didn't understand. You didn't see it coming. But I want you to remember that I knew it was going to happen. And let me say this to you young people. You serve the Lord. There are going to be some things that will catch you by surprise. There are going to be some things that come out of nowhere that, that alter your world, that change your life, that you don't think you can handle. But I, in fact, there may be some young people this morning that you're, you're going through one of those things right now. You're in the middle of something in your life that you never saw coming, something that you never thought you'd have to deal with. And I just want to remind you that Jesus knows. Four things real quickly, and I'm done. First of all, I want you to note that Jesus knows about betrayal. If you're familiar with this chapter, you understand that what Jesus is telling his disciples is that very soon you're going, I'm going to be betrayed by Judas. It's amazing when you read through these verses how obvious that it seems to us. And, it, it's, and, and, and to us, you think, how in the world could they not understand what Jesus was talking about? But even when you get to the end of chapter number 13, after all Jesus had said, and the fact that, that whoever he, he dipped the sop with, that was going to be the one who betrayed him. And after all that was said, they still didn't understand that it was going to be Judas. So he's giving them some insight. He's saying that betrayal is going to come your way. And we understand that's exactly what happens. Jesus' words were spoken true in just, in, just, in just a few short hours. Jesus was going to go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And Judas was going to leave here this night at the Last Supper. And he was going to go sell Jesus out. And he was going to bring the Roman soldiers and the chief priests and those religious leaders. And they were going to walk into the garden. And he was going to walk up to Jesus and betray him with a kiss. Could you imagine, now you put yourself in the situation of the disciples, you imagine how they must have felt that night when someone who they had served with, someone who they had loved, someone, the Bible says in the book of Acts that, that Judas had an investment, he was given a part of the same ministry that they had. And now someone that they loved, someone that they counted on, someone that they trusted, someone that they believed in, turns his back and walks away from what's right. Let me tell you something, young people. I want you to know that Jesus knows about betrayal. You're going to deal with betrayal if you choose to serve God and you choose to be faithful to the things of God. You're going to deal with betrayal in your life. There are going to be friends who you go to church with. There are going to be people that you serve along beside. There are going to be people that you had all the confidence in and all the trust in. And you thought that when you were old, you would be serving God together. And those same people are going to turn away from the truth. Those same people are going to turn their back and they're going to sell out for something else and take an easier path. And there's going to be times where you think, Lord, is this really real? Is it really worth serving you? Someone that I love, someone who I trusted, someone who I was close to, somebody I confided in, and now they've walked away. But I want you to know that Jesus knows about betrayal. I'm hurrying. Secondly, not only does Jesus know about betrayal, but Jesus knows about failure. Now stay with me here in chapter number 13, and I want you to go to verse number 36. Jesus is going to make another prophetical statement. And this time it's not just to all the disciples, but he's talking personally to Peter. 
Verse number 36, Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? Jesus answered him, whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. And I believe Jesus was talking here about the cross. He was, he was fixing to go to the cross and deal with sin. And this was somewhere that Peter, even though Peter had every desire in the world to follow Jesus till death, this is something that Jesus had to do alone. In fact, you'll see verse 37, Peter said to him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee? I will lay down my life for thy sake. I believe Peter meant every word of what he said in verse number 37. He proved it when he took out the sword. He cut off the ear of the high priest's servant. Peter understood as far as odds were concerned, he wasn't going to come out of that alive. But he was willing to go to death for the Lord. Verse number 38, look what the Bible says. Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, The cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. So not only does Jesus prophesy of betrayal, but he prophesies of Peter's failure. Peter's at a place in chapter 13 where he says, Lord, there's no way I'll ever deny you. There's no way that I'll ever go away. You don't understand, Lord. I'll go with you all the way to death. Sometimes I think we make a mistake and we look at the statement Jesus made in verse 38 is almost being an I told you so moment. Almost as if Jesus is saying, I'm telling you, Peter, I know you think you're all that, but, but you're going to fail me and I want you to remember that I told you you were going to fail. But I don't think that's what Jesus was doing in this text. I don't think Jesus was condemning Peter for his statement or he was upset, but he understood Peter's faithfulness. But here's what he's telling Peter. Listen, I I know you want to go all the way. I know you think you would die for me, but I I want you to know that failure is coming your way. And that's exactly what happens, isn't it? Peter, I can't imagine as Peter leaves the garden that night and he doesn't understand what's going on. He tried his best to fight for the Lord and now Jesus has been taken away. And, and Peter's confused. He tries to stay as close to the events of the trial as he can, but Peter doesn't follow John all the way to the cross. Peter stays back, and, and three times Peter is asked if he's one of them. And because of fear, because of confusion, Peter doesn't know what to do. And three times Peter says, No, I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know the Lord. Could you imagine when that cock crew, when that rooster crowed that night, and, and Peter heard that, and all of a sudden in his mind he realized that three times he had failed God. Three times. I can't imagine what Peter thought. It just, just, I mean, just, just a day earlier, Peter was going to go to death with the Lord, and now he came to the place where he wouldn't even admit that he was one of his followers. And I, I believe this, that, that Peter's failure caught him by surprise. He never thought he would be in that situation. But God said, I want you to know that when your failure catches you by surprise, it didn't catch me by surprise. Here's what I want you to understand, young people. Not only are you going to experience betrayal in your life, but you're going to experience failure. And I'm not trying to give you an excuse to live in sin. I'm not trying to give you an excuse this morning to be unfaithful. Because I tell you what, when you understand this truth, that God loves us in spite of our failures, that God loves us even though He knew that we would struggle and even though we knew we'd have times of doubt, then it won't won't cause you to leave and to do whatever you... It'll cause you to get as close to God as you can. I believe that's why Peter was so faithful to God in the end. When Peter understood that God loved him in spite of his failures, Peter said, I'm going to give my life. And Peter did get to go to the cross. He did get to give his life for the Lord, what history tells us. God says, I knew about your failures. I'm telling you, as a young person, you're going to have times. You have failures in your life that no one else knows about. 
and in your heart you have a desire to serve God, and, I, and I'm not talking about just rebellion and open sin, but I'm talking about things that you struggle with. Yeah. And you'll find yourself thinking, Lord, how in the world have I allowed that in my life? How in the world? I promised you. I just promised you. I just promised you last month at the youth service or last year in youth camp. I promised you that I would be faithful. I promised you that, that I would stay true. And, and here I am. I'm just a failure. There's going to be times as a young person, you feel like a failure of a Christian. And it's going to catch you by surprise. You're going to think there's no way. But I want to remind you, Jesus knows about your failure. And he loves you anyway. Thirdly, I'm hurrying. He knows about betrayal. He knows about failure. Also, I'd say this. He knows about bereavement. I want you to look with me in chapter 14. In verse number 27, Jesus gives him another prophetical word. And in this passage, he's talking about his ascension. And I know this isn't bereavement in a literal sense. Jesus didn't die. He's just going back to the Father. But there's going to be separation in their life. And Jesus tells them about that. Look what he said uh, in verse number 27 of chapter 14. He said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Same phrase that he started chapter 14 with. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said, I go unto the Father for my Father is greater than I. Don't we feel the same way when we lose a loved one? There's the truth. You know you should rejoice because they're in the presence of God. But there's also a grief that takes place because of the separation that's come into your life. But I I want you to see what he said, verse number 29. Now this is very similar to the verse I pointed out in verse 13. He said, now I have told you before it come to pass... That when it has come to pass, you might believe. He says, gentlemen, you don't understand, but in just a, few, just a few short days, you're going to be standing there watching me go back to the Father. And you imagine how the disciples felt as everything they had given their life to. Three, three and a half years of their life has been given completely to follow the Lord, and now they're separated. Now they're gone. I can't imagine the, the next morning when the disciples wake up And they're looking around thinking, is this really real? I mean, just like that, he's he's back with the Father and we can no longer see him. We can no longer hear his voice. And even though Jesus had told him time time again, I'm going to send you a comforter. They didn't completely understand everything that was going on. And it catches them by surprise, this separation in their life. But Jesus said, I want you to remember that when it happens, I know. I know this may not be as relevant to us as young people as it is older people. But there's going to be times where death catches you by surprise. You're going to have someone, someone close to you, maybe a grandparent, a, a parent, a friend, somebody that you love, a hero in the faith. I was thinking about uh, Pastor Lee Davis just the other day as I was studying this. And I thought how, I mean, one of the, one of the greatest influences in my life, and I thought how quickly... Uh, that he was gone, never, never would have expected. I figured that I would be hearing Pastor Davis preach for the rest of my life, at least until he was an old man. But, but sometimes death catches us by surprise. But I'm glad that Jesus knows about it. You may be struggling with, with a death, a separation in your life, but Jesus knows. Let me give you the last one, and I'm finished this morning. He also he knows about betrayal. He knows about failure. He knows about bereavement. But let me say Jesus knows about persecution. Go with me to chapter 16. John chapter 16, and look with me at verse number 1. Here's what he said. These things have I spoken. Again, you'll see, this is if you have a red letter Bible, this is just red letter after red letter. These things have I spoken unto you, 
that you should not be offended. Here's another prophetical verse. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God a service. These things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. But I want you to see what he said in verse 4. These things have I told you that when the time shall come, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said unto you at the beginning because I was, I said not unto you at the beginning because I was with you. Jesus prophesies of the persecution that they're going to experience. These men are going to be hated. You can read through the book of Acts, the, the events of the early church. These men are going to be hated. They're going to be beaten. They're going to be mocked. They're going to be put in prison. And these men, other, as far as history tells us, other than the writer of the Gospel of John, John the Beloved, the rest of these men are going to be martyred for their faith. They're going to give their life for serving and following the Lord. And Jesus said, listen, men, you're going to face persecution. And I understand I feel a little bit convicted, in fact, of even preaching this because I know we don't face the persecution that these men experience. But as a young person, you're going to face persecution. You're going to be mocked. You, you decide you're going to serve the Lord. You decide you're going to sell out. You decide you're going to give everything you got. There's going to be people that make fun of you. There's going to be people that turn their back on you. There's going to be people that hate you. There's going to be people that try to disparage you. You're going to face, I mean, it's just, it's just it, it, it comes with the package. If you're going to be a Christian, you're going to face a certain amount of persecution. But I want to remind you that when you face persecution, Jesus knows about it. It, it didn't catch God by surprise. What you're going through this morning, what you're dealing with because you're trying to serve God and you're trying to do what's right. Sometimes it's from family. Sometimes, sometimes family is some of the strongest persecution you'll deal with that, that, that don't love God. They don't know God. In fact, that's the explanation that Jesus gives. He said the reason they're going to do this to you is they don't know the Father. There are going to be people in your life, they don't know God. They don't, they don't, they don't, they don't have any respect for your God. And they're going to persecute you. I want you to remember that Jesus knows. I want to give you three points and I'm done. I'm closing. You can go with me if you'd like back to our text, chapter number 13. I'll ask you this question, and let me just give you three points to leave with you. Why does it matter that Jesus knows? It's, I know this is so elementary. I haven't told you anything this morning that you don't know. We talk about the omniscience of God. He knows everything. Most of you young people heard that since, I mean, as long as you can remember, you know that Jesus knows everything. So this isn't any kind of, of new information that I'm giving. Why does it matter? What, what does it mean to us that Jesus knows? Three things I've done. First of all, it gives us confidence. Knowing that Jesus knows will give you the confidence. Because what is, what is our greatest fear? It's, it's the future, especially as a young person. I, I would say if we took a poll this morning between all the young people that are here, what's your greatest concern? You would say, it's my future. Who am I supposed to marry? What does the Lord want me to do? Uh, what does my career look like? All of these uncertainties in our future, that's our greatest fear. And we can't understand. We don't know the future. Thanks. But we serve a God who does. And when we know that Jesus knows, we can go. You can leave with, you can serve God with confidence. Saying, I may not know who I'm supposed to marry. I may not know where I'm going to serve God. I, I, may, know, I may not know what my career looks like. I may not know. But I know that Jesus knows. And I can have confidence that if He knows, it may catch me by surprise. But it's not going to catch Him by surprise. It'll give you confidence. It'll give you comfort. You know, this is a psychological truth. That sometimes there's just an, there's an amount of comfort that comes when some just knowing that someone else knows what you're going through. Right. Yes, just sir. the fact that sometimes you can't explain it, 
you, you can't describe the way, but when you know that someone else knows, it just there's some strange relationships that have been built over just one commonality. That, that these, there's some people that have nothing else in common, but maybe they go through something similar, and there's a strange relationship built around this truth that someone else knows what I'm going through. As a young person, how many times, how many times have you probably at 12 o'clock at night crying to your mom and dad saying, I don't know what I'm, I don't know what's going on. And, and how, how many times have you thought, no one knows, how many times have you thought in your mind, no one knows what I'm going through. Yeah, yeah. No one knows. That's one of the biggest struggles we deal with as a young person. No one knows how I feel. No one knows what I'm facing. No one knows. What, Jesus knows. Yeah. And sometimes it just helps to know. You, mom and dad may not understand. The pastor may not understand. But I want you to know this morning that Jesus knows. Yeah. Lastly, and I'm through, there's a confirmation that comes. And you can look at it. I'm not going to read it again, but you can look at the verse. There's a confirmation. In fact, the reason, he tell, Jesus tells his disciples the reason why he told them that truth. He said that when it has come to pass, ye may believe. That I'm He. See what Jesus. Everything that we've talked about this morning, uh, uh, betrayal, uh, bereavement, persecution, failure in your life. Every one of those situations were going to be times of doubt in the life of the disciples. When they were standing there, I've got to close. But when they were standing there, when they were standing there watching Judas walk away from the garden, and Jesus being led in 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 uh, in shackles away from the garden. That would have been a good moment for doubt to creep into their life. Is this really the Son of God? Is this this really the one we've given our whole life to? Now he's being carried away by Roman soldiers and betrayed by the one that we love? It would have been very easy to doubt in that moment. When they were standing there on the hillside in Judea watching Jesus ascend, the next morning that would have been a good place for some doubt to creep in. Is this really real? When when, when, When Peter failed God... Could you imagine as Peter was standing there, that rooster had crowed, and he thinks back in his mind that, that three times I've denied the Lord. Is this really real? Is, is this what I've given my life to? How, how in the world could I fail God when they were persecuted? I was reading just the other day in the book of Acts, Peter was put in prison. If, if it hadn't have been for the prayers of the saints, they would have put Peter to death there in that chapter. And as Peter was sitting in that prison, I mean, John the Baptist doubted. Peter, no doubt, Peter struggled with doubt. And I wonder if, I wonder if in his mind, he didn't, he, those words didn't echo again. That I told you before it come to pass. So that when it comes to pass, you know that I am he. And this was a confirmation in their life. When it would have been easy to doubt. When it would have been easy to give up. When it would have been easy to throw in the, cat, the towel. Their mind could go back to the words. It didn't mean much to them in this moment. But their mind could go back to the words of Jesus in those situations and say, He knows. I want to remind you, Jesus knows. I thought about the, the old hymn we sing. Jesus knows all about our troubles. He will guide till the day is done. I'm thankful. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. Amen. Preacher, thank you so much. I'm finished. Amen.